This uh, September, I'm going to be 65. So I'm in my 65th year, and so I decided it was time to break with the past. I was standing on the first tee box of my favorite golf course, and I said, I'm moving up to the senior tees. (laughs) And golf is fun again. Yeah, I was confident and hopeful and remembered, and, but I broke with the past, and I'm much happier. In our passage today from Philippians, we hear of that same kind of confidence from our author, Paul. He had confidence in what he had achieved, and he had confidence in his heritage as a Jew. It changed with his Damascus Road experience where he met Jesus personally, and he saw the light. From that experience, he began to measure the value of his life based on his relationship with Jesus. Jesus became the primary intention of his life. Previously, it was all about him. And after meeting Jesus, it was all about Jesus. Church, What we should hope for and strive for as our relationship with Jesus matures is that our self-centered actions diminish and we begin to focus more on the example of Jesus. In the last part of this chapter, Paul compares our Christian life to seeking a prize or running a race. This notion reminds me of a story that I heard as a kid. And I started to ponder it. It was the old story of the tortoise and the hare. Do you remember that story? I I pictured the rabbit at times running at full speed and then at times running backwards, taunting the slow, deliberate tortoise. Making fun of him, actually. I imagine that rabbit being kind of haphazard in, in how he's running his race. Careless, not watching where he's going. I picture him starting strong, but the rabbit doesn't even finish the race as the story goes on. The slow but focused and determined tortoise wins the race. Maybe a good metaphor for us today. Just to give you a glimpse of how my mind works, I was thinking about that story and that led me to thinking about people who jog. This animal kingdom marathon made me think about jogging, which I don't think about very often. Have you, ever, have you ever watched people jog? There are a lot of styles of jogging out there. I don't jog. My knees won't let me jog anymore, and let's be truthful, I hate jogging. Good for those who do. Good for you if you do. I'm not making a joke about jogging. I'm just using it as a a point. I watch some joggers that have the grace of gazelles. They are smooth, and they look like they could run effortlessly forever. Then there are the joggers, like the guy that runs by our house from time to time. As I watch him run, I hurt. Every movement says pain to me. He looks like he's gasping for his last breath and limps like his knees are breaking. I'm not sure 
that this is how, I'm pretty sure that this is how I would look if I was a jogger. The first runner may need a little water from time to time, but the other appears to require oxygen and maybe a place to sit down. I do give him credit, however. He's out there trying. What's, what's the difference between these two exercisers? Maybe conditioning, age, maybe there's some past injuries that are influencing. Maybe it's just pure desire. The reality is that some look good jogging and some struggle with every step. When it comes to our relationship with God and spiritual things, it doesn't matter how we look as long as we run. We all just need to be in the race. Our passage from Philippians, the Apostle Paul says that what was once profit for him is now loss for the sake of Jesus. Paul believed knowing Jesus and running the race to emulate Jesus was his first and now only priority. Paul offers in this text, not that I've already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on. I press on to lay hold of that for which Christ has laid hold of me. I don't know about you, but that comforts me. This is the Apostle Paul, one of the great heroes of the New Testament. And Paul believed he was in a race that he could not finish strong without the help of Jesus. I, for one, am grateful for his example and his encouragement to remember that God promises to be with those who are in the race. Paul's goal was to be like Jesus and to follow Jesus' example. Paul believed and trusted that God would supply the resources and the strength so that he could finish strong. Paul said, I do not consider myself there yet. But Paul had his intentions clearly focused on getting there. I love that. I want that to be true for me. How about you? Our text goes on to suggest that there is one thing Paul must do, one hurdle for him, and probably virtually for all followers of Jesus, to overcome, to finish this race, this life race, strong. And that is forgetting what is behind. In other words, breaking from the past. Runners know that turning around and looking back while running could cause one to stumble, even fall down. The more you look back, the farther you may fall behind and the greater chance another runner will pass you. Paul's not telling us this to suggest that we can lose our memories or our past difficult or painful things. Paul desires us to experience genuine healing in those. He also reminds us that, that God can forgive and forget, which also offers healing. It's not God. It's us that has a hard time living like that. What Paul is saying is to let the past be the past. Friends, what is behind us is done and settled. Maybe we take what we can from those experiences and we try, with God's help, to move forward. Scripture is clear. 
If there is something we are seeking God's grace and mercy, God's forgiveness for, we should ask. Because God does offer grace. God does offer mercy and will forgive us if we ask. So we can experience true healing and move forward. The phrase forgive and forget is not in the Bible. Although people sometimes quote it like it is. But God forgives those who seek grace with a repentant heart. And in turn directs us to forgive others with that same measure of grace. Hear me. Forgiving does not mean necessarily forgetting. We can't easily erase our memories. And most certainly, forgiving does not mean what someone may have done to us, an experience that we had was okay. But God invites us to forgive so that we can move forward, not based upon the guilty party necessarily, but on us moving forward, not allowing the wrongs of others or experiences that we've had to keep us from what God desires for us. When we hold hostility, resentment towards someone, we become bound to that person by an emotional link. So true forgiveness really is a God thing. And absolution is the only way to break that link that can hold us at times. Paul encourages the Philippians and us today to forget what is behind us. Because you can't run the race looking backward. You won't finish the race well. Author Robert Quinlan penned, A happy marriage is a union of two good forgivers. Lewis Mead's pastor offered, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that prisoner is you. In every aspect of our lives, we must stop looking back at those things that we can't change. We need to move forward, not allowing the weight of the past to hinder us. This is true of individuals, of families, of churches, and even countries, people. We must move forward from those things we know about and have sought repentance for. Move forward with those people who have wronged, and wronged us and did what we have offered amends for. Move forward from those people and circumstances that have hurt us with the same grace we are offered. Because by offering mercy to one another, we are truly set free. Remember, though, that forgiveness is not, is not necessarily justice. It is choosing not to be bound by someone or something any longer. Nothing can hold you back like the past if we let it. That's why Paul suggests forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. What is Paul telling us to do. He is imploring us to make a break from the past and look forward to what lies ahead, the hope that is there. In our passage, Paul cautions the church against shortcuts. There are no shortcuts, really. And he reminds us that he renounced his former privileges as a Pharisee because of the arrogance it offered. 
after his experience on that road to Damascus, he decided, he was compelled to be like Jesus and sought to press forward and strive toward the goal, ultimately the prize of being like Jesus and dwelling in that heavenly realm. Straining forward, pressing forward, and stretching ourselves, not looking back, looking ahead, sounds like a plan, which can help us in this new normal life that we live in. Muscles are stretched to build flexibility and relieve tension. Setting some spiritual goals, as Paul suggests, will stretch our faith with some of the same outcomes, actually. As one author offered this week as I was studying, if you don't set a goal, you already set it. And the goal is to stay the same. If you're not stretching and pressing forward, you will, by default, be looking and going backward. If you're not accelerating on a hill, you are rolling backward. No one can stand still on a hill. Life is a hill. So how do we press on? How do we move forward? We pray. And we ask God's leading through the guidance of that promised Holy Spirit that we talked about a few weeks ago. And we celebrate the promises that God gives us. We collaborate with others for wisdom and guidance. And we read the scriptures that unveil God's truth. Do we remember from day to day that the spirit is God's presence within us? And by prayer, we open ourselves up to that holy guidance. It's one of the great reasons why we read and study scripture. Because in reading the Bible, we can be encouraged by the promises that God offers and inspired by the traditions of the disciples in that early church. In this story, it's important to remember the Apostle Paul was not always the Apostle Paul, was he? Before his conversion to becoming a follower of Jesus, Paul was a Pharisee. His name was Saul. He was a persecutor of the church and of God's people. Paul literally killed Christians, believing that God was pleased by his actions. This is a cautionary tale. She remind us that just because we believe we are doing the right thing doesn't mean we are. It's why we need God's leading. We need others speaking truth into our hearts and our minds. We need scripture to guide us that we might have a greater accountability as we face vital issues in this world, in this life. Paul describes his understanding of his life before his conversion as focused on false confidence, false teachings, and a false way of pleasing God. Some of you are old enough to remember the author, Paul Harvey. Remember Paul Harvey? A radio and television broadcaster. Harvey was known for telling the rest of the story. You remember that? 
He would take popular topics and dig into the truth, and he was only happy once he had uncovered all the facts. Well, this is what the Apostle Paul was doing for the church in his letters. Paul told the rest of the story of living a faith-filled life with Jesus. So motivated by his, this mandate, Paul says in verse 1 of chapter 3, Finally, finally, my brothers. Sounds like he's wrapping up. But then he goes on for two and a half more chapters. Telling the rest of the story. Empowering and encouraging the church. Then and now. As I said, Paul was not always the faithful Apostle Paul. Also, I said Paul was transformed. I mean, transformed. Turned completely around by an encounter with Jesus on that road to Damascus. I don't think we can emphasize that enough. Recognizing what happened in Paul's life to make his life possible. The life that we now know possible. This transformation came from experiencing real joy for the first time in his relationship with Jesus. He transitioned to faith by grasping God's truth and applying it to his life, giving him real purpose, and then experiencing real joy. Paul warns us from his own experience that there will be some things and people who will seek to steal this God-intended joy that can rob us of every ounce of joy if we will let them. As Jesus follows, we must remember that our joy is not based on life situations and circumstances, but on God's promised presence, authentic purpose, and the unconditional love that God offers. So we seize every gifted moment and try to live life to the fullest. Church, do we remember every one of us has a purpose? Do we know our purpose is to seek God and let Jesus' love illuminate our lives and shine through us? That our purpose is to use our gifts and abilities and talents to do good work and to point to God with gratitude for the outcomes. I picture Paul up in age, in prison, in the midst of writing a letter to the people he loved, remembering how and why he became a follower of Jesus. He ponders the truth that all of his earthly rewards and accomplishments won't matter in eternity unless they were used for God's glory and the encouragement of others. Paul realized, and we need to come to this same realization if we haven't already, that if we have all these things of the world but we don't have the real hope found in Jesus, ultimately, what do we have? Paul offers, whatever was to my prophet, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Paul's worldly advantages and achievements used to be on the positive gain side but are now on the lost side of that balance sheet. The value of Jesus rose and the importance of stuff decreased for Paul after meeting Jesus personally. His gain was daily as he got to know Jesus intimately and journeyed in life with him. 
Church, most Jesus followers love Jesus when everything is going well. But Paul realized he wanted to be found in Jesus in good times and hard times. He realized he could even be more united with Jesus in the challenging and suffering times of life. Paul sought a righteousness that only could come from his relationship with Jesus. Paul described the word righteousness in two ways in these verses. Paul's original understanding of righteousness was found in his upright behavior, accomplishments, and heritage. The righteousness he abandons was by good works. Paul embraced his new form of righteousness, which comes from God and is received by faith. One righteousness comes by good works and is temporary. One righteousness comes from being in right relationship with Jesus, forgetting the past, striving forward, seeking all of what God intends. As a final encouragement, Paul tells the Philippians his greatest desire was that I may know Jesus in the power of his resurrection and participate in his sufferings. Friends, to know God is not knowledge about God, but found in a relationship with Jesus. God transforms us through the power of the Holy Spirit and the example of Jesus' life. So church, breaking from the past, this is where we must put our confidence today in Jesus and ultimately for eternity.